From member-supported CPR News, this is Purplish, a show about Colorado's democracy. I'm Sam Brash. Hey, so, um, just, we're going up into a secured area, so I need to make sure you guys don't have any kind of weapons or anything on you that um, can be used against you or our staff. Last week, I went to Denver's uh, downtown detention center. It's one of the biggest jails in the state. It's this big, gray, blocky building on West Colfax. So once we go up on the floor, I mean, at any time, we can have some kind of emergency up there. And if we do, just follow my lead. I'll tell you everything you guys need to do, okay? I don't plan on nothing happening, but we never know. Allison Cherry is Colorado Public Radio's justice reporter. She visited this jail to see something pretty remarkable, a voter registration drive. So I spend a lot of time in jails, especially rural jails. For for your beat, right? Because you're covering (laughs) issues in these jails. Yes, yes, exactly. Because of my beat, not because I've been sentenced to anything. And Denver's facility isn't nearly as run down as most places. It's actually pretty new. It was built in 2010. There are reclaimed wood walls in the cafeteria. There's lots of natural light. Uh, There's basketball courts attached to every pod. The bathrooms looked nice and new and clean. And this push to register inmates, I mean, how does something like that even work in jail? All right, gentlemen, we was here this morning. We had the opportunity to share. Well, it was actually pretty cool. You know, that's a joint effort by local criminal justice reform advocates and the Denver Clerk and Recorder. And it's pretty straightforward. You know, they stand in front of the inmates. Your civil right, your constitutional right to register to vote and vote. And ask if anyone wants to register to vote. And they have pieces of paper and clipboards, and that's it. Again, here's why it's important. 2018, a midterm election, marks a very important election year for you guys, right? Colorado, you get to decide who the next governor will be in Colorado. That's Justin Cooper. He's the deputy director of the Colorado Criminal Justice Reform Coalition. Our team is here to get you registered to ensure that you receive your ballot to vote in this year's election. So he was standing in this thing called a pod, and it's this open area split into two levels. It's basically where all of the people in jail spend their days um, exercising and, and hanging out. Some of the guys he was talking to were ignoring him. They were reading books or sleeping. But most of them were standing above kind of on this balcony-like thing on the second floor or on the first floor um, listening to him as he gave this kind of rousing stump speech. Even though you're confined behind these walls, your voice is not confined. And these people in the Denver jail, are they actually eligible to vote? Yeah, you know, most of them are. This is a jail, not a prison. The prison's run by the state, uh, the Department of Corrections. And prisons are mostly where convicted felons are serving out their sentences, um, longer sentences, you know, years. And jails, they're run by county sheriffs. And people who are in jails are either pretrial, they haven't been convicted of anything, they're just sitting there, maybe can't post a bond, or they're serving shorter sentences for misdemeanors. Both of those categories of people, if you're serving time for a misdemeanor or you're pretrial, haven't been convicted of anything, you can definitely vote in Colorado. And did most of the people in this jail realize that? Did they know that they would have the opportunity to vote this year? No, and that was the big point of this effort. You know, it seemed like a lot of the people in jail were surprised that they had the right to vote. No. Did you not know? I didn't, I didn't know because I, I had two prior felony convictions. Mm-hmm. But I'm no longer, I mean, I had done the time and stuff for them. 
And how else would they ever be able to register to vote unless someone brought their voter registration to them? I mean, they're confined. That's the whole point. Did you see people actually register to vote? Yeah, they were all gathering around these tables, filling out voter registrations. And there was this one guy I talked to named Armid Hinkle. I'm a veteran. Um, I also um, I'm a member of the LGBTQ community as well. Um, and our vote, my vote, and everyone's vote means so much right now. And he really feels like he has a lot at stake personally in this election. I'm currently in this situation here, and I'm dealing with um, PTSD and other, other issues. And the way that, again, different parties view that um, really impacts my life greatly right now. Um, and so... It's not just a, a chance, it's not just a time just to vote or not vote or my vote doesn't count. My vote is, is everything right now to me. And this effort, it's much bigger than just that one voter drive I attended in the Denver jail. There are a couple of things that happened on this front in the last year. One is there was a new law that passed in the state legislature earlier this year that allows people to pre-register to vote when they're serving uh, a sentence on parole. So when you're on parole, you can't vote. But the minute that you get off parole, if you pre-register, you're eligible to vote. Makes it kind of easy. The second thing that happened was there was this directive from Secretary of State Wayne Williams' office to all of the 64 sheriffs in the state to say, hey, sheriffs, you need to work with your county clerks and educate voters in jail about their rights and come up with some plan to let them register to vote if they want to. It's a pretty big effort. So this week on Purplish, busting the felon voting myth in Colorado. The state is working overtime to make sure people inside the criminal justice system and the people coming out of it understand their voting rights. Why that has support from Democrats and Republicans. And how much that coalition is really willing to do to re-enfranchise felons. Across the country, 6 million people can't vote due to a criminal record. But those people aren't evenly divided between the states. Here in Colorado, only about 20,000 people can't vote because they're either in prison or on parole for a felony sentence. That's according to the State Department of Corrections. Some states have far, far greater numbers. And the worst state of all concerning this and arguably everything else is Florida. Around <laughs> one and a half million of its citizens, nearly 10% of its adult population, have completed sentences for felony convictions but still can't vote. Florida bans anyone with a felony conviction from voting for life. Only a state board can reinstate someone's right to vote. On the other end of this issue are states like Maine and Vermont. Felons in those states never lose their right to vote, even while they're incarcerated. Most other states land somewhere in the middle. They reinstate voting automatically at some point after a criminal conviction, maybe after someone leaves prison, or in Colorado's case, when someone gets off of parole. But here's the thing. Many people think ex-felons can't vote in Colorado. And perception matters here, because if someone doesn't think they can vote, they probably won't try. The myth is that if you have a criminal record that you cannot vote in our state. In Colorado, it's just not true. This is Justin Cooper with the Colorado Criminal Justice Reform Coalition. He's the same guy you heard registering voters in the Denver jail. 
Contrary to popular belief in Colorado, criminal record does not matter. What does matter is your status in the justice system. Status as in whether you're serving a sentence or not. If you're serving a felony sentence in Colorado, you can't vote. If you aren't, you can. What that means is there's only two populations right now that cannot register to vote and vote, and those are folks who are currently on parole, or if you're serving a sentence in confinement for a felony conviction. Let's just hammer this one. In Colorado, the only people who can't vote due to a criminal conviction are felons who are currently in prison or felons released on parole. That means people awaiting trial can vote, people on probation can vote, and people who've only been convicted of a misdemeanor can vote. The problem, says Cooper, is that people just don't know that. There's actually data on that. We just recently commissioned a poll. That poll found that 40% of Coloradans weren't sure if people with criminal records could vote. And that number gets higher when you look at people of color. A separate CCJRC survey focused on just African-American voters in Colorado and found that 67% of people believed you could not vote with a criminal record. Cooper's organization runs a campaign to teach people all this stuff, and it has a pretty clever name, Voting with Conviction. We have trained voter registration drives. We've trained local elected officials. We've trained nonprofits on this information. We offer the trainings and public education material for free because, again, this is already what we call the invisible voting block a marginalized voting block that is eligible to register to vote. But if they receive the wrong information, they are at risk. At risk not just of missing an election, a parolee who tries to vote in Colorado is at risk of being charged with voter fraud. We actually haven't saw that in Colorado that people have actually been charged. But yes, if they register to vote and they are not eligible, they risk the chance of being charged with a Class 5 felony. Um, But that is a probability, and that's why this education is so important. Cooper isn't on his own with this effort anymore, though. The state started to get involved. New policies aim to make sure that when people leave the criminal justice system, they know they can vote and they have the opportunity to register to vote. That's the hope behind the legislation, right? That's the hope behind um, some of the policy strategies is that that education is provided by these institutes, right? By the local um, criminal justice agencies. And the legislation does that in a couple of ways. First, it allows parolees to pre-register to vote. And so it's very similar to in Colorado, we have a law on the books that says if you're 16 years old, you can pre-register, but you can't vote until you're 18. The law also enlists the help of parole and probation officers in teaching people about their voting rights. Now, when someone becomes eligible, or if they're already eligible, they have to be told. Someone has to say, hey, you, you can vote now. And here's how to register. So this was our way from a legislative standpoint to say, okay, we have to continue to chip away at providing a meaningful opportunity for people to engage in voting. And there's one more piece to all of this. The Colorado Secretary of State's office has taken a separate step to help people vote in jail. Remember, jail isn't prison. It's where people usually await trial or serve out misdemeanors. So mostly, they're eligible. The new rules aim to make sure inmates understand that. Rulemaking that mandates all county jails have to provide a meaningful opportunity and a process for people who are eligible to vote. 
And I know all of this might sound bureaucratic and like not a huge deal. I mean, the underlying rules about who can vote and who can't haven't changed. There's just more being done to make sure people understand those rules. But Cooper says it matters, not just because it might help turn out new voters or get communities of color more involved in elections or just do away with risky confusion about state law. He says it might actually stop people from returning to prison. What we do know is that people who are involved in the criminal justice system that are eligible, that register to vote, studies and research out there that said it also decreases recidivism. Meaning people who vote are less likely to commit another crime. Really. One 2012 study estimates that prisoners in states that restore voting rights upon release are about 10% less likely to reoffend. Now, that could just be a correlation. It's not clear if voting, all on its own, fights crime. But from his own experience, Cooper thinks it does something. For a long time, I didn't think that I could vote, right? When I was growing up, I had, you know, small stints of personal involvement in the system, nothing major. But, you know, I subscribed to that that myth that, oh, well, since I have been impacted by the system, I can't vote. I didn't really exercise my right to vote to my late 20s after college and really starting to understand the importance of uh, government and politics. And so it's personal for me to make sure that people in similar situations, people coming out of poverty, people involved in the system who think they can't do anything, that they can't make change, it's not true. And that's the message he takes into Denver jails when he's registering people who are incarcerated and eligible to vote. While we're in the jails registering people, we're getting standing ovations, applauses, people thanking us for just coming to talk to them about their rights. Thank you. Let's hear it. They get to see, you know what? Actually, people care about my rights. Everybody should have the right to vote. It doesn't matter what echelon of society you live in. People make mistakes. People care about me returning as a productive citizen. Okay, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to look at why felon voting rights isn't a single party issue in Colorado. In this state, Republicans have helped ensure that people who've had trouble with the law don't have trouble voting. They said, go, go see Dr. Dahl. I'm Carla Walker from Colorado Public Radio Classical, and that's conductor and lecturer Scott O'Neill, my co-host in the CPR Performance Studio for a new podcast exploring the life and work of one of the great composers, Sergei Rachmaninoff. Rachmaninoff may be the best example, maybe the only example, of a composer who overcame severe writer's block with the help of hypnosis. He'd walk down the street to Nikolai Dahl's house, lie back in a deep, comfortable armchair, and Dahl would speak to him in his soft, hypnotic voice. You will begin to write your concerto. You will work with great facility. The concerto will be of an excellent quality. Hypnosis worked. Rachmaninoff was able to write his second piano concerto, the middle movement of which is absolutely stunning. It starts in this still, dark C minor. And very quickly, it turns to a warm, comforting E major.
subscribe for CPR's great composers wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to CPR's supporting members who make digital content like this possible. Learn more at CPR.org. You're back with Purplish, a show about Colorado's democracy. I'm Sam Brash. The bill we're talking about this episode, the one that gives parolees in Colorado the chance to pre-register to vote, it has a redemption story of its own. It died and was resurrected. And that's not something that happens very often at the Capitol. Let me explain. Senate Bill 150 ran into trouble at its very first committee hearing. It had Republican and Democratic sponsors. But Republicans on the panel, they weren't so sure about it. If someone is off parole and really wants to vote, it should be their responsibility. At first, the bill died on a party line vote with Republicans in opposition. Uh, Senate Bill 150 fails. Then, a day later, one of those Republicans decided to revive it. Uh, Senator Hill. Thanks, Madam Chair. I know we had some good discussion yesterday, and uh, having voted on the prevailing side of Senate Bill 150, I move for immediate uh, reconsideration. The change of heart came from State Senator Owen Hill, a Republican from Colorado Springs. Sometimes you have to have the humility to admit that you don't make the right vote and marry that humility with the courage to change your vote, I guess. We want parolees to become productive members of our society, and we would be foolish to deny them the chance to prepare for the responsibility the Constitution very clearly gives them. In other states like Florida and Virginia, the voting rights of ex-felons has become a brutally partisan issue. But in Colorado, it has its share of Republican champions. Not just Hill. Secretary of State Wayne Williams is also a Republican, and he lobbied for this bill. His office has also moved to make it easier for jail inmates to vote. I certainly believe in the opportunity to, to serve your time and then go forward. Uh, to repent and change. Uh, And, you know, I think that's what most of us hope uh, we do uh, as we make mistakes. It's what we should hope for others. For Williams, some of this has to do with his Mormon faith. Certainly that shapes my values. And, um, you know, as we work to garner support for it from folks that might not normally be opposed, we did talk about the ability of that redemption, that ability to come back into the fold. Redemption was also an important idea for State Senator Kevin Lundberg, a Republican from Loveland. He co-sponsored the bill that passed the state legislature earlier this year. It was actually one of his last accomplishments as a lawmaker. He's term limited and won't be back at the start of the next session. So can I say, Senator Lundberg? I can still say that, right? Uh, Up until the next next assembly is actually seated, yes. I connected with Lundberg from his home studio. And a note to all Colorado lawmakers, if you want some goodwill with radio reporters, have a home studio. I believe that uh, anybody who goes through the prison system has a lot of strikes against them coming out of the system. And, I mean, we loaded up with, with so many barriers to bringing people back into being functioning citizens, uh, licenses that you cannot obtain if you have a felony on your record, for example, or hiring obstacles as well. Yes, I believe in personal responsibility, but I don't believe the government should be putting up additional obstacles for that individual to get back into society. 
This is not a big element of that, but it is a component to put people back on their feet. What do you hope that this says to someone as they're getting out of prison? When they meet with their parole officer and they hear about pre-registration, say, and regaining the right to vote, what do you hope that says to someone who would soon be completing a a criminal sentence? Uh, Two things come to my mind. One, I use the term redemption, which I think it helps them recognize that uh, they have paid their debt. Secondly, however, it should give them that sense of responsibility, which is essential for us to, you know, do the right thing when we are uh, living in this, uh, this, this land of freedom. What do, you, what do you mean by that? It gives the former prisoner that sense of responsibility? Yeah, it's, it's one of those components uh, of uh, living a good life, if you will, to, to understand that you have a responsibility to look after the interests of everyone through your voting privileges or, or uh, rights. And it's, it's not everything, but it is one component for giving people the proper motivation to do the right thing in their lives. I, you know, again, I don't think it's, it's the cure-all, but I believe it's, uh, it's the right statement that we make to that person coming out of the prison system. Okay, you're done. You're now a citizen again, and we're going to help you get back on your feet by helping you uh, uh, register to vote. How have you talked about this bill with other members of your party? I mean, have you said the same things we've been talking about, about redemption and and making sure that people understand rights that currently exist? What have you said to get them on your side? Well, to me, an important component is that uh, this is not a first step towards giving a convicted felon in prison voting rights. Because in Colorado, if you're convicted of a felony while you're serving your sentence, and that means either in prison or on parole, you do not have the voting rights of a citizen. That is a part of your penalty for having committed a felony in the state of Colorado. I uh, believe that that's an appropriate point that should be kept in place. And if, if we wanted to change that, I think we need to put it within the whole context of, okay, we are now reducing the penalty for every crime in the state of Colorado. Is that really what we're intending to do here? There are, again, only two states that never remove someone's voting rights after a criminal conviction. In Maine and Vermont, people in prison on a felony charge can vote. Justin Cooper, the activist from the top of this episode, wants to see Colorado move in that direction. Colorado has an opportunity to lean towards that full reenfranchisement um, or restoration of all rights, right, as it relates to voting. We'll see. We'll, we're, we'll hope to get there. I think it's an opportunity for Colorado um, to be a leader in that, in that sense, just like Vermont, right, or Maine. Which means this truce, this moment of bipartisan kumbaya around felon voting rights, could be a fleeting thing in Colorado. So far, it's focused on helping people understand when they regain their voting rights. A future fight could be about something much bigger, whether they should ever lose that right in the first place. That's it for this week's episode. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn more about becoming a CPR member or join today at CPR.org. 
This episode was written and reported by myself and CPR Justice reporter Allison Cherry with help from Nathaniel Miner and Brad Turner. You also wrote the theme music you're hearing right now. Additional music by Poddington Bear. The news tape you heard came from last week tonight with John Oliver. John Pino took all that audio and made it pretty. And like every episode of Purplish, this one was guided, overseen, edited, and raised to the surface of the water to breathe by Megan Verlee. See you next week. Thank you.